Welcome to episode 66 of the McSauce Comic Book Podcast, the honorary Mario Lemieux episode, for those of you familiar with the National Hockey League. Les Magnifique. My name is Paul McGinty. With me, as always, are Ian Sharpley. Hello. And Matt Cassell. Hello again this week. And our special guest tonight, Mr. Don McGinty. Hello. Wearing his Batman 66 cardboard mask that three of the four of us got at our local comic book shops today. Because today is Batman Day. Today is Batman Day in honor of Comic-Con coming up and this being Batman's 75th anniversary. Tonight is July 23rd. It's a Wednesday night. You lovely listeners will be listening to this a week from now. Um, Our roving reporter, Ian Sharpley, will be... In San Diego this weekend Some, for Comic-Con. Somebody had to do it. So we won't be able to record on our usual Monday night next week, so we're jumping ahead of the game, trying to be professional. Hopefully we're landing that jump. Um, <clears throat> we've got a lot of stuff to talk about tonight. We're going to talk about some comic-related stuff. We're going to talk about some stuff that we had some off-air good conversations about. <laughs> We didn't save it for the podcast, as we like to say when we're not producing this lovely show. So, we're going to talk about Ian going to Comic-Con, his, his polynomics for the trip, his excitement and expectation. We're going to talk about the DC announcement that it's now official. The movie and TV universes will be entirely separate, unlike Marvel. And we're going to talk about The Purge. And why some people think it's a great concept, and other people think it's fucking stupid. That's going to be a good one. So, before we get into the subject matter, let's do a little housekeeping with Ian Comic-Con Sharpley. I will be going to Comic-Con this week. And what Batman mask are you wearing today? I am wearing the Frank Miller Dark Knight comic, or comic book mask. A timeless classic that doesn't look like it was written in the 80s at all. Well, I mean, sometimes you have something that defines a generation and changes around the way that people judge comic books, and I would say that Frank Miller's Dark Knight did that job. A lot of people like it. It's kind of considered a classic. You don't really like it all that much, but I think eh, almost every other comic book fan on the face of the planet does like it. It's a book that I would I want to sit down and read it again. I haven't read it since probably 2002, 2003, around there. What um, don't you like about it? I don't like the artwork. I don't like the, and the writing. I'm not a, yeah. I'm not a big fan of. I don't like the artwork and the writing. Other than that, I don't it's like amazing. The 80sness of it with all the talking heads <laughs> and the television outlines. I think the mutant gang is just fucking ridiculous. Sharply, doesn't that totally take you back to the early days of Spawn with the talking heads and the TVs? Yeah, I mean, that was the original source of that um, style of comic book storytelling, and there that was the thing that Spawn was copying from. Totally. Was, was Dark there were these three heads on, on a single black page with, uh, like, paragraphs of text next to them. And each uh, TV next to it uh, or next to each paragraph was like a different reporter and they were all like from different TV stations. One was CNN, one was E! Entertainment News. Right, and, and then another... Was like your local kind of deal. And, and he bounced around from like, he was always on a different network every time you saw him. 
and he was more outspoken than the rest. They were all done in different styles. It was kind of fun. Now, I read The Dark Knight uh, Returns <laughs> in the early 90s, maybe four or five years after it had been released. So I was still kind of right there around the time that it would have been relevant whenever I first read it. It resonated with me. I like the artwork. I'd say that it's probably Frank Miller's best artwork. If you don't like him, then you don't like him, and I understand that. But I, that's my favorite version of the Frank Miller stuff. Others may say that his earlier Daredevil work is good, or some of his Sin City work is also quality, but I like the Dark Knight Returns stuff. I would say that his Sin City stuff is leaps and bounds better than anything as far as artwork. Almost in, not even its artwork, but its design. I mean, it's oh, black and white. Yeah, and yeah, and the way so that the, all the shadows and the negative space, that's really good. But some people don't like Frank Miller, some people don't like his writing, but I think for that time and place, it changed the way that people felt about Batman, along with the killing joke. So I still to this day can read it, go back and reread it, and it still has value to me. It still is a quality work. So I... I don't think that... Um, I don't understand why you don't like it, honestly, Paul. I just don't... It, it doesn't... Like, I, I guess I probably view Batman in a certain way, and that version of Batman with... And he's just old and crotchety, and he brings in Carrie Kelly for whatever reason. And you hate just, old people and women. It's okay. not just... It's not just the portrayal of Batman. It's... The entirety of the design of it, the way it looks, like the just the 80s-ness of it really turns me off more than anything else. I liked, of course, we've covered this a million times, the dystopian future angle of it. I like the um, the I like the ruthlessness that Batman has. It's kind of told as the last Batman story where he's taking out these villains that have plagued him. The real last Batman story, unlike whatever happened to the Cape Crusader, the schlock that Neil Gaiman threw together in his asshole. (laughs) And I think, like... How do you know that's the orifice he threw it together in? Uh, It's Wikipedia. Oh, okay. (laughs) Wikipedia's never wrong. I think fans, even today with the New 52 and the way that things have been revised and everything like that, um, fans kind of still hold on to that. It's like, that, that's canon, Dark Knight Returns, that's, that's how it all ends. It's just like that, and, and people still count that as a story that matters to them. So I think that's another thing in its favor, that all these years after, even after DC basically has come out and told you, uh, it's really not... Um, that people still feel that that's the final Batman story. And it wasn't surprising today when you chose the Frank Miller Dark Knight Returns mask. For those of you not in the know, since it's Batman Day, uh, comic book shops gave away four free Batman masks with a free purchase. No, it was, it was, a, free was free, issue, it was a free issue of Detective Comics. A free comics issue too. of Detective Comics, which retold the original 1939 Detective Comics issue. Um, and you could get a cardboard uh, modern-day Greg Capullo mask, a 1966 Adam West Batman, a Frank Miller Dark Knight Returns mask, or the original 1939 uh, Bob Candlefinger Batman. Matt was supposed to get 
the Bob Kane, Bill Finger version. Which so he we did could get, all though. have Batman. I did. I was wearing it. I just I took it off, and when I was buying my comics, I must have left it on the counter. Matt said to himself, we're doing a podcast. It's not a visual medium, so I'm just going to leave this out. So I'm just not going to commit to podcasting tonight. I'm here, aren't I? I think that the masks that we all chose are appropriate, even though when offered the mask in the free comic book, Paul said, no thank you. And we had to bully him into having fun and participating in comic book culture. That's true. We did bully him. That was exactly how that, how that went down tonight. Uh, Dominic, what mask are you wearing? I'm wearing the 1966 Adam West Phil Dozier Batman. And it looks really good on you. <laughs> I'm going to be committed. I'm going to try to wear this all night. My forehead is burning from sweat. Well, you have you have the biggest eyes in that mask. I do. It really you, helps. You can see the best. Yeah. The Greg, the modern Greg Capullo that I'm wearing in The Dark Knight Returns. I, mean, I can't see it Very slanty eyes. I can't see it you, all. If you, Which is weird, Paul, if you bend yours more to form a mask... You I, can actually cut yours out and make yours better. My, roll my, it more. my eyeballs are larger than yours, so they take up more space. You so, have large eyeballs. Anyway, this is uh, not great radio. And it's not housekeeping. Go to mixsauce.com and check out the podcast strips and reviews. And uh, <laughs> rate and review. I am not going to have the music run through all of that. <laughs> no, I know. Just quick housekeeping. Because we went into some natural... Conversation. I don't like to derail that. Matt, since it is the 75th anniversary of Batman, what is, and I know we've talked about it before, but what are some of your favorite Batman stories? How are you celebrating Batman's anniversary? Um, in a big way. In a really big way. I, um, as you know, Batman's one of my favorite superhero characters. And uh, one of my favorite all-time Batman stories has to be the uh, the the storyline that ran in all the bat titles back in 1992 93 maybe 93 93 uh it was called nightfall where um bane was established as a major major villain to batman uh he was his equal physically but he also proved that he was um smart enough to to defeat Batman by breaking out all of the villains, all of them, out of Arkham Asylum, creating one night of hell for the Dark Knight. And he had to basically scramble to take care of all these villains. And when he was at his weakest, that's when Bane finally emerged and struck. That's when he broke the bat over his knee. That's the the infamous breaking of the bat in... um, the Dark Knight Rises. Long day of work, Batman. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, in the it, that came from that that comic book series. And uh, wow, was that good! It had all the covers were done by one of the greatest Batman illustrators of all time, in my opinion, the great Kelly Jones, who drew his Batman's with, or is it Batman? Man's men. His Batman's with these abnormally long. If Paul long, wasn't texting, he would probably bust your balls for grammar. Abnormally, but thankfully, he's not paying attention. Abnorm- you took care of it. I didn't have to. Abnormally long bat ears. That's the mask I wish they would have had with the with the three feet long bat ears. Kelly Jones had a 
a cover that he did this week. You know, I thought it was strange that they pulled him out, but then I remember. That's right, he did. It was Justice League Dark, correct? I believe so. Yeah. Because Kelly Jones is famous for his dead man Mm -hmm. work as well. So, as a matter of fact, one of my all-time favorite covers on anything. I can't remember the issue number, but it was it was the issue of uh, during Nightfall when on the cover it's got Bane looming up over uh, a crouching Batman, who at the time was Jean-Paul Valley, who assumed the mantle of the bat after Bruce Wayne had his back broken. And he's kind of like crouching and he's got a batarang in his hand. And uh, it's, I just think it's such a striking cover. I think I know which one you're talking about. I'm trying to dig it up here. But, um, but yeah, Nightfall. Love Nightfall. And then, and then it was followed up with Night, Night's Quest, which was the new Batman being the new Batman with like a much different code than what Bruce Wayne lived by. So he would... I mean, he, I don't, he, he did have a code where he wouldn't cross the line and kill... But he would pretty much take it as far as he could, and he would really mess up. Like, I don't think he was... No, it was Bruce Wayne. No, this was Jean-Paul Valley. He he wouldn't kill, but he would... I don't think he would have any problems paralyzing somebody. That's why he had to go. Right. So that was through Night Quest, and over the course of that storyline, you could just see him becoming more and more absorbed in being the new Batman, and he was, like, losing himself. He was... Becoming more and more... He was a disturbed guy to begin with. But then, eventually, once Bruce Wayne heals, then you get into the third part of this storyline called Night's End. And that's where Batman, Bruce Wayne, starts to rehab his back, and he kind of starts to get it back, and then he has to go and physically take back the mantle from from Jean-Paul Valley, who had just completely lost his mind. Um, really great stuff. I've heard a lot of revisionist stuff recently about Joe Casada and his design of the new Batman uniform. Mm-hmm. And in the moment, it looked like DC was going out and they're like, hey, design something that looks cool and badass. From what he's saying recently, his, his mission was to make something look so over the top and so, you know, quote unquote, image that it was uh, an extension of this guy hiding all the good parts of the original Batman uniform. And, I, don't, I mean, is, is that what they did? I mean, maybe DC kind of didn't really follow along with the style of art that Marvel and Image had at that time. And it could have been satire, but it feels a little it, it feels silly hearing of that like 20 some years later i don't know when you look at it within the context of the time that it was created it really does look like it's something straight out of image comics it really does look like the editors at dc said give us something really cool and and that was what cool was at the time he had claws he had a lot yeah. of robotics there's mm-hmm. a lot of crazy stuff going on even the cover that um, for the the um, the new Batman coming out was foil stamped and die cut and mm-hmm. gatefold and all that nonsense. Yep. There were also pouches. There were pouches. It was very pouch heavy. Very pouchy. So. So anyway, that's my my number one favorite Batman story. But there's just so many good ones. Um, everything from I think Paul's favorite. Uh, night or um, the long Halloween. 
Yeah, the, the <clears throat> Long Halloween and Dark Victory, which go hand in hand, in my opinion, are they're two Batman stories that really brought me into comic books. And they're just really, really cool stories. I think Jeff Loeb was at the top of his game. Um, he's Jeff Loeb's the head of, I think, Marvel Television now. He's kind of the Jeff DC. Johns of the Marvel Television stuff. And um, he doesn't write a whole lot anymore. But that, that Long Halloween and Dark Victory, Tim Sale, uh, two huge opuses that those guys did. They struck... Such a perfect chord with Batman for me that, um, like I, those are books that I will go back and read on a, a, a regular basis. I got the the huge absolute version of of Long Halloween, just because it's such a cool story. It takes you from October all the way through the year to October, and each year there's a murder. Each month there's a murder on the holiday for that month. And, you know, the it plays into the detective aspect of Batman, which gets lost a lot of the time, I think. And it takes you through all of his rogues gallery. It shows you all the different aspects of who Batman is. You get a little bit of his love life with Selina Kyle. Um, every facet of Batman is in the long Halloween. And it's, a, and it's a, an incredibly satisfying read. And I also think it's timeless, because it has that quality that the animated series has, where there, it, it looks like it takes place in the 40s, but there's a lot of modern technology. Um, so you can't put a time frame on it, unlike Dark Knight Returns, which is an 80s joint, or even Nightfall, which is a 90s joint. Long Halloween, the way it was designed, uh, is really a timeless story. Yeah, I mean, um, Dark Knight Returns is timestamped with Ronald Reagan still being the president of the United right. States. So there's no confusing what time that's supposed to be taking place in. Um, and when I say that, I don't mean that to be a slight towards either of those stories. But like the way that was purposefully told with Ronald yeah. Reagan, that was meant to be in the 80s. Yeah, I mean, the Cold War is continuing at that point. There's no disputing when that's going down. Right. Dom, do you have a favorite Batman story? Don't um, say Batman Forever. Real quick, though, before we I get into Dom's movie, um, but about the Long Halloween, the only thing I didn't like about it was I feel like it got too confusing, and I'm still n- unclear about it to this day exactly which murders Harvey Dent's wife was responsible for versus Holiday, the killer. Um, at some point, that line's kind of blurred, I think, like, because Holiday takes it to a certain point until Harvey Dent's wife kind of takes over, and I don't think that that is ever clear. Or am I wrong? I thought it was just like the first couple that Holiday did, and then the rest. I could is be that- wrong. I could. Be it's wrong. been so long since I haven't I read, read it since two thousand and one, two thousand and two. It's been a very long. I haven't time. read it since it came out. Yeah, every every time I read it, it's never. It's never clear, and I think it's written purposefully that way. So you don't really know, because you can't really pin everything on Holiday or Gilda Dent, because there's such a blur between when the two of them start getting into doing the bad stuff that, like, Batman doesn't, Batman doesn't know. Mm-hmm. But you just know by the end that, you know, both of them have done some... Now, with that, being, with that being Long Halloween and holiday-based, is that also a Calendar Man story? Is he in there at all? Yeah. Okay. 
Yeah, he is. And initially in the beginning of the story, whenever, you know, you get through the first three holidays and Gordon and Batman are like, all right, calendar man. But he's locked up in, uh, he's locked up in Arkham the whole time and they use him periodically as um, the Silence of the Lambs guy. As Hannibal Lecter. As Hannibal Lecter. Because as the reference, as yeah. you're showing right. us what's going on, right. give us into the mind of that. So, anyway, I'm sorry that I interrupted, Dom. What is your favorite Batman story? Uh, I Some of my favorites, I, I enjoy Hush. Hush was a good one, because mm-hmm. that was another long, drawn-out, epic... Jeff Loeb again. Book, another Jeff Loeb book. Um, that was another long... That was, that was actually part of continuity, I believe, as well. That was never part of, like, a... It was part of continuity, even though it kind of felt like it could have been pulled into its own, like, maxi-series, you know, 12-issue maxi-series. Because I think it ran 12 issues, right? 12 12 issues? I think they set it up that way because what Uh, they wanted to do at that time was get two really hot creators, you know, have Jim Lee draw Batman regularly for the first time. And Jim Lee has been notoriously bad at keeping up on deadlines and, you know, hitting all that. They had him draw out, I think, the first four issues and have that complete, completed in the books, you know, way ahead of time. And I think that they kind of knew that they couldn't keep him on the schedule so that they had it, so that it was all contained. It was written as a greatest hit series. So you got to see Jim Lee draw every single Every villain. single Batman character. Which is one of the reasons I, I like it, because he's got such a deep rogues gallery. Yeah. That everyone just playing their part. Even Smith, I think, uh, the couple books that Kevin Smith wrote, he even dabbled in and threw every character in there just to... Do you feel like that see. limits the effectiveness of just kind of essentially having a series of cameos of these characters that kind of deserve better, really? For that story... Not really, because there are plenty of other Joker and Penguin stories, and there are other. If there is instances with like the Tweedle, uh, the Tweedle Twins, the mm-hmm. Tweedledee and Tweedledom, and that Matt Hatter, there's a couple good stories with them. But even still, if you can just associate them with the overall pictures, them, oh yeah, they had a couple cameos and like two or three issues of that. It strengthens those, some of the weaker characters mm-hmm. into saying, well, they were part of Hush, they were part of. Uh, other just different storylines. Mm-hmm. The stronger characters already have their own legacy stories that can carry them. No, I agree with that. So, but I think what I'm kind of getting at is it almost feels like a bit self-indulgent of Jim Lee to include all these characters because he wanted to draw them because they're going to look really cool to if, have them in there. If you're not going to get uh, Jim Lee to be the steady artist for... 18, 24 issues where you can have four or five different storylines where you can engulf your characters, then you know what? I do want to see what a Jim Lee Batman and Joker would look like on the same page. And it might have even been Jeff Loeb that just said, hey, I got Jim Lee on this thing. I'm going to write this story so that it's a greatest hits kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And I want the fans to be able to see mm-hmm. the way well, that he was a, It was a different villain on every cover of the story, literally. One of my favorites is at the end of the story, I think it might be the last part where you could buy either a gatefold of all the heroes or all oh, the that's villains. Right, that's right. I thought, I I know for a fact that I bought both of those issues just to have them because they're, they're really cool looking. So, I mean, that's... 
It's Jim Lee. Going to be at Comic-Con this weekend. So I understand you're going to Comic-Con this weekend? I am going to Comic-Con. We're flying out on Friday, but we only have tickets for Sunday because it's extremely difficult as... You know, you guys might know, as you guys know, but the fans at home probably don't know. It's an extremely difficult process to get tickets for Comic-Con. Months and months ahead, you have to create your own member's ID, issue a date where you have you get to wait online, and you stand in a line of queue line, and you wait till your number comes up, and then at that point, you get to purchase the tickets. By the time that me and my wife were up, Friday and Saturday had already been accounted for, so Sunday was the day that we were mm-hmm. able to purchase, and I'm more than happy to go out there on Sunday. I'm, I'm excited. There are a lot of things that happen on Friday and uh, Saturday, but Sunday still has a lot of good stuff. And you've happening. never been to the San Diego Comic-Con, is that correct? No, I've never been there before. And even still in I heard I heard it's almost as big as the Pittsburgh Comic-Con. <laughs> It's it's Not almost jokester. You heard right, Matt. It's almost as big as the Pittsburgh Comic Con. San Diego Comic Con doesn't have McSauce. Well, it has one fourth of McSauce. That's true. So we will be going out there on Sunday. We'll no. do some sightseeing on Friday and Saturday, and hit it on Sunday hard as a mother. Now, Damn, would, if you will. would it be a good time now to give you the list of shit I need you to pick up for me? <laughs> so that way it's recorded, and then when you listen to this podcast on your travels, you'll be like, oh, that's right. Yeah, I got to get Matt the advanced copy of the um, Star Wars novel that's going to be there. Everybody wants me to pick them stuff up. You're more than welcome to give me a list. I'll try to get everything that I can. Keep in mind that it is Sunday that we'll be going, so some of the stuff might not be there. Right. Here's what I want from Comic-Con. Okay, so have, here I want we, you to have a great this time. Is, this is the Comic-Con wish oh, nice list section. I want some sweet cosplay pictures. <laughs> oh, I'll Dominic! Try, I'll try to do that. I'm no Steve VCR who is master, oh, master of cosplay right oh, pictorials. Let's, let's not play down the photography that we take at Comic-Cons. It's good, but... I'd say that Steve VCR is uh, on another level because he goes there as a photographer. Matt, you wanted some Luke Skywalker book? Yeah, what the hell is that called? What is it? I I haven't heard of this. Yeah, there's a... Okay, so as you know, they've tried to kind of reel in the whole continuity thing with Star Wars, expanded stories outside of the movies. And on the slate, there are four new novels. I think we talked about this. There's a there's a Darth Vader and the Emperor novel. There's a Tarkin novel. There is a uh, Star Wars Rebels novel. Maybe that's the one that, that I'm thinking of that's going to be there. And then there is a Luke Skywalker one. And these are all supposedly official canon continuity. And uh, I don't think any of them come out until, like, November. But... There's like an advanced version, an an advanced copy that will be, I think, for sale at Comic-Con. And I'm like, hey, if that's there, and my buddy Ian Sharpley's going, and he has two hands that can carry shit, I'm sure he can handle one one little book. I think I can try to pick that up for you, man. Please send me a text message with that in it. 
I'll send so you multiple text messages. Okay. I will. Uh, He'll be like this motherfucker. I will, he will not stop. T- I'm on vacation, and he won't shut up about this book. I will try to uh, pick that up for you. I know one thing that we're excited about potentially sitting in on the supernatural panel at Hall H. That'll be happening Infamous on Sunday. Hall H. Infamous Hall H. There will also be a Sons of Anarchy panel at Hall H. So, why is there a Sons of Anarchy panel at Comic-Con? Because it's no longer about Comic-Con. It's about pop culture, and with it being Hollywood, or being close to L.A., it's just the Southern California Look at Me Expo. Like, I love Dexter as much as anyone that loves Dexter, but does Dexter really... Did, did Dexter really need a Comic-Con panel? The years it was on the air, I don't think so. At the same time, I'll say yes, because where else are you going to go to get the entire cast of your show in an environment where it's a Q and A town hall kind of thing? I'll go. I'll go one further and say, if they were to come out with something like a pop, like San Diego pop culture or the Hollywood Expo, then that's where it belongs. But until then. I've just learned to accept that Comic-Con, San Diego Comic-Con, is no longer about comics. I will go one further and say that Dexter, being a horror show, kind of falls into that horror fantasy sci-fi genre that always gets grouped into Comic-Con affairs. Do we count Dexter as a horror show? Is that what we're going to do? The it's main, about a the serial main, killer. Yeah. It is. But is it horror? It's. I think it's more... He's the most likable true crime? serial killer of all time. I think it's in that in that vein it's more Comic Con appropriate than Sons of Anarchy. Oh, I'm not disagreeing with you on that. I mean I'm I'm probably stretching to get Dexter in there, but if you're gonna find a way to get it in there, yeah. that's the way it's gonna go. Yeah, I guess so. I mean it's it is a stretch. Um I don't really see any way that Sons of Anarchy can fit in there. There's no real nerd association other than do it's you, just a popular... Do you watch Sons of Anarchy? I do watch Sons of Anarchy. Are you going to try to go to that panel? No, no, no. I mean, that's too much time sitting around for something that uh, I like, but how my wife supposed, doesn't really like all that much. How is he supposed to get Matt's Star Wars book if he's sitting in on all these panels? <laughs> it says here, um, uh, this exclusive advanced reader's copy will contain uh, blah, 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 um, Usually at cons, you would get a sampler of upcoming novels, maybe a free copy of a novel's re-release in paperback, but at San Diego Comic-Con July, you will be able to score a special exclusive advance reader's copy of Star Wars A New Dawn by John Jackson Miller. So I will keep that in mind to try to put um, that out for you. The, There's only five Del, available. So. Del Rey will have copies of the advance reader's copy Available every day at Comic-Con, and we'll have, also have copies available during the autograph signing events. So listeners know that if I don't get this for Matt, it's because, not that I couldn't find it, it wasn't available, it's because I hate Matt. You don't love him <laughs> enough. I'll get it for you, buddy, don't worry. Thank you. There's also going to be a console wars panel there. What? Or the Paul? Did you hear that? I'm out. I know the book. Tell me when we're done with this conversation. As a callback to recent summer reading, console wars. The 
saga of Sega trying to upset Nintendo in the early 90s. They're making a movie about it, and I'm sure they're going to be talking about it a little bit. Paul's falling asleep. That's actually really cool. They're making a movie. Do you think that this new movie could lead to some kind of resurgence for Sega? I don't think so. I mean, Nintendo's already kind of in the dumper. And Sega's dead, so I... I well, Sega's not know. dead. They're still pumping they out still make, They're pumping out yeah. titles, but you got to figure, if this, was, if this is going to boost Sega, they should have already been in developments of a console. Because if you're going to put this thing out now and to make it into a movie, by the time the movie comes out and people are like, you know what? What does Sega have to offer? Yeah, but here's the thing. Three more years, we've got a console for you. They're not going to care and Sega's dead in the water. The console wars ends with... All the problems that happen with that company that would build zero faith in a new console. So that would be a bad advertisement. Like, we can't get our shit together because we have infighting like crazy in our company and we can't make anything work. So, but that'll be interesting. That's something that I'm looking forward to. And then the final thing that I'm really excited about is drawing with Jim Lee. He's going to have a panel. So, I'm going to see if we can hang out there and take a look at it for a while. So that would be really cool. Will you be conducting any interviews while you're out there? Uh, probably not. I think I'm just going to take it all in. I'd like to say that I would be. Um, I'll take a lot of pictures. I'll put them on McSauce.com. But pictures I, of what? Uh, family-friendly pictures of sweet, innocent girls in superhero That's what I was outfits. looking for. Yeah, um, a lot of stuff going on, a lot of things around Comic-Con as well. I think there are other events, not in the convention center, but just around, that if you have a badge, you can go and um, take in some of the the different events that I'm going to have to do some more research and find out everything that's happening. But a lot of stuff that I'm pretty excited about, first time going out there. And um, when do be fun. when do all the big announcements that come out of Comic Con happen? The, the Friday before or the Friday, the Thursday before when? I'd imagine it's going to be on Friday. I would think. Well, I, don't, I don't think Marvel holds a panel every day, so I think it's just whenever they're one, like whenever, right. whenever Universal or Warner Brothers holds their panel, that's when they'll probably drop. There, there's a rumor that there's going to be some kind of Star Wars announcement. I think we talked about it on our last podcast that there would be no major announcements. It, it didn't seem like the right time with filming currently underway. However, as it turns out, yesterday I read that uh, Mark Hamill, Carrie Fisher, Peter Mayhew, the guy who plays Chewbacca, and Harrison Ford have all come back to the United States for a two-week hiatus and they are all in California. Yeah, that sounds like a Comic-Con announcement. If sure I does. One. So, uh, speculation, what do we think we're going to get? A title? I'm guessing I, a title. I think it's got to be a title at this point. That, that's what they can do. It's a little thing, but a big thing, enough to have the key components come back and kind of unveil that. And, and the title will be fun, too, I think, because now we can kind of speculate on that. Well, what does that mean? Because when they announce, like, the Phantom Menace, holy shit, what does that even mean? Right. There's so much discussion that, that the title alone could, could kind of lead to. I think with them bringing, like, Harrison Ford and Carrie Fisher, with them bringing the big names back, it has to be something title-related. I, I would think, I would say, if, if it was ever going to be, they were just announcing 
Star Wars news, I would say my guess would be they're going to announce what the spin-off movie, what the in-between movie is going to oh, be. Oh, that's a good thought. I hadn't considered that, yeah. But I'm like, that wouldn't be a bad idea if it was just, we have Star Wars news, because mm-hmm. technically the spin-off fits into the Star Wars news and the universe, but if you're going to bring in Harrison Ford and Carrie and, and Mark and everyone, then it had, it's something Episode 7 related. Probably. Paul? Yeah, if, if you're bringing, up, bringing in those big names, it's got to be episode 7 related. I expect the title. If I don't get the title, but we get something like a 10, 15 second clip or brief trailer, I will, I'll probably be disappointed. I would be more like disappointed with a clip than a title. It seems more It seems more natural to roll this thing out with a title first. Is it possible we may get some kind of clip with the title being presented, like for example, maybe you'll just see the Millennium Falcon flying into space, and then a big flash, and the title comes up. Maybe, man, I, I want to see what Mark Hamill and Carrie Fisher and Harrison Ford what they're going to look like. I'd like that. Like some, some they're going to look old. I have seen I have some pictures in in costume. I have seen oh, some Harrison Ford's not going to do that. Come on, he hates Star Wars. I know. I have seen. Wonder, are they going to show the clip where the Millennium Falcon actually takes out Harrison's leg? <laughs> probably not. Back into the People left. Probably laugh back like crazy. Into the left. So I have seen pictures of Carrie Fisher lately, and she is looking better than she has looked in a long time. Tell totally Google. <laughs> I like when I said that. Everybody gets their iPads and shit. Like prove it. Yeah. Prove it. So, do you think it's going to be title related? I, yeah, I kind of do. I don't know what else it could be with all those big names coming back. Like, it just seems yeah, like... Yeah, because I, I think last week, a week and a half ago, they released the extended uh, Star Wars Rebel trailer. So, I don't think No, they just released that yesterday. Was that yesterday? It's not scary to me. But she's much thinner. She's looking a lot better than she did months ago. Yeah, yeah. Um, the, the most unfortunate thing about Carrie Fisher is that she had she clearly had work done on her face, and now like she doesn't, she doesn't really look like Carrie Fisher anymore. She looks like old. I had work done, Carrie Fisher. She's got smooshy face, kind of. Yeah, the way Frank Whitley draws characters. Although it's not, I wouldn't say it's not bad work because you can still make out that it's Carrie Fisher. You still know who it is. Now, like, it's like Cher, where you have no idea. Who Mark Hamill, is. on the other hand, I don't think has been quite as successful as Carrie Fisher has been in, in his transformation back to um, Jedi Knight. Put a beard on him, you you'll you lose a lot of that nonsense. I don't. I don't think he really. He. Uh, I don't think he looked that bad whenever he uh, was he in England. Whenever he did that one. Uh, Luke Skywalker talking to the Joker from Batman Animated Series. Um, he was on some sort of talk show or some sort of panel. It was it was in Disney World. Okay, yeah, it was the Disney. It was the Star Wars. Yeah, and weekend. like here's an official photo right here bad. where he's posing with Mickey Mouse. He 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 doesn't look that bad. It's still Mark Camel. You can kind of got a, like a little goatee. He's got some age to him, but by all means, he's he's not ballooned up in weight. I suppose, no, he hasn't gotten bigger. Remember a couple of years ago how gigantic he looked? Yeah. 
Um, he was real big a couple. Yeah, years he ago. looks very there, bad. There <laughs> yeah, I think. When is when is the the big Star Wars panel? I don't know. Probably I'm on away, Sunday. I, so. I'm gonna I'm gonna feel bad blowing up Ian's phone when he's on vacation. <laughs> when all this news comes in on Friday and Saturday, <laughs> give us an ammo shot. Hamilton, what? Hamilton. <laughs> <laughs> so, Ian, why don't you give us your expectation and excitement for Comic-Con? Expectation is at taking everything in, first time going out there. I'd have to say it's at a nine. Nine. And, yeah. You expect pretty, it to be a pretty life-altering experience. Pretty cool. And you don't, okay, it's you be, don't even get excited. I don't get excited about a lot of things, but I'm pretty excited about this, even though you can't tell it in my voice. I am extremely excited. I think it'll be a nice time for me and my wife, and there should be a lot of different cool stuff that we can take in and see and enjoy. So, yeah, I think it's going to be a nine. What do you expect? I expected to meet my excitement. Double nines? Double nines. Unheard of. Double nines. Wow. Excited. I believe the only the only subject of polynomics which reached double nines was Thor the Dark World. That is false. The review of Thor the Dark World received a final grade of a nine. Woo! I was not... The, the original going in, it didn't receive that high of a score. I know that coming we can hot. get our, our math all fuzzy because we like to make fun of me about Thor the Dark World <laughs> a whole lot. But it was Somebody after I... sensitive it, it wasn't because... Well, we wouldn't say we'd like to make fun yeah, of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was mm-hmm. after I'd actually oh, seen oh, the idea. product. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Pretty excited, Comic-Con. I'm excited to share it with the fans and you guys. So we'll have some. I'm excited to hear about pictures. We might even have Star Wars: New Dawn. There it is. That's this is. I'm looking at it right now. I'm trying to etch it it into my memory. Events Readers Edition. I see it. I see it. I think it's kind of cool because it takes those animated characters and makes them look a little more real. Mm -hmm. It kind of photo realized. Almost. What animated characters? From Rebels. I can't see what. I can't see what we're doing. Uh, yeah, I guess so. So did not to turn this into the Star Wars podcast like we normally do, but very quickly, did anyone see the uh, the new extended trailer for Rebels? I did. It's two and a half minutes long. I did. Did you have any reaction to it? Yeah, it seemed like uh, they made it a little more serious. This trailer looked a little more like it. I don't want to say it like it was for adults. But it turned it away from, you know, the kids' bend of it. Because I, I feel like a lot of those featurettes of the characters really played up the fun kids' aspect of it. But this one was kind of like, this is Star Wars. Mm-hmm. And it played it a lot more serious. Like, Ezra wasn't, you know, the fun, happy kid that has powers that kids can relate to. It was like, Ezra has some shit that he needs to get in order. And the crew of this ship is going to help him. Like, get his shit together. He's going to help them get their shit together. It felt a lot more serious to me. And after all the featurettes, I was like, eh, show's for kids. I'm going to watch it. But I don't expect too much. But after this last featurette, um, 
I still feel like it's going to have some childish things to it, but it may have a little bit more to offer than adult. Yeah, I, it looked. I'm more excited about it now than I was when we did our last episode. And there was one part in particular that kind of stood out to me, which was when um, the cowboy Jedi shows up and, and the Imperial officer says, concentrate your fire on... And then he puts together, he like pieces his lightsaber together. He pulls out one half of it and attaches something to it, and then he lights it up. And that just looked kind of cool. And it also looked cool when he was on, I think the ship is called the Ghost, and he's on that with his lightsaber, and yeah. it rises up um, in kind of like the background and in the foreground, you have like stormtroopers standing there. It looked pretty cool. That, this, mo- this recent trailer leads you to believe that Kanan the cowboy Jedi is a lot is a lot more uh, he's a lot better being a Jedi than you would originally because all the speech rests were like oh this guy's got some powers he's kind of figuring it out learning it but this one was like this dude's gonna fuck some shit up well not only that um, I also think that it, it seemed to me like Ezra's the main character yeah um which I originally thought Kanan was going to be the main character. But I think he might be a little bit more of a supporting role. I mean, not a background kind of... Like, he's still going to be prominent, but it seems like it's Ezra's story overall. Yeah, it's um, it's it's in a real... I feel like I'm in a real weird spot with it, because part of me... I don't know. I just... I, I don't know what to expect. Is it going to be... Like, it could go either way. At this point, I've seen enough to get me kind of excited for it, and I've also seen enough to that maybe I just want to pass it off. It seems to be pulling so many elements of the original trilogy that people should like. All the recognizable stormtroopers and TIE fighters and things like that, um, even, speeder bikes. Even and, to sound effects and music, everything is real original trilogy heavy. I'm not sure how much I'm liking Girl Bob, Boba Fett, though. Yeah, that's oh, the, that's no the one, one that kind of annoys me more than anything. Unless she's blowing someone. And I like when they're describing her character. I think they said, she's real into art. It's like, Ugh, who nobody gives wants a, crap? a bounty hunter into art? Get the fuck out of here. I don't think she's a bounty hunter. She just wears bounty hunter shit. I don't know, man. There's a lot of good clips of the ghost flying through clouds, escaping uh, TIE fighter fire, and, and it's... It's pretty interesting. It does look pretty cool. Yeah, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of space shots and a lot of flying ship shots that are very similar to original trilogy type stuff. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah Where we could go either way, either way with this guy. I'm still in. Yeah. 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 It's it, it's Star Wars. Like I wasn't much into the Clone Wars. Because it started out with those, like, their little 15-minute snippets kind of here and there, like, I think Friday at, like, 8.15. You're thinking of the, the old the, the, cartoon yeah, the, show, the, the, yeah, not the, the 3D part. animation, the cartoon. Yeah, the cartoon that was on a Cartoon Network. Yeah, the, the guy Samurai did Samurai Jack. Jack. What's yeah. his name? Tarnowski. Uh, Jenny Tar- Tarnowski. Tartakovsky. Yeah, Tartakovsky. Him, yeah. There was that. Tartakovsky? They, uh, after the TV show... Then they went into the movie, which went into the other TV show. And I was never a fan of that, but I'm probably going to be more involved with Rebels. 
Because I tend to like that era of Star Wars more than the trilogy in the Clone Wars era. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it looks pretty interesting. For those who haven't seen it, go and check out the uh, extended trailer. I just watched it. I'm a little more into it than I was before, um, you know, <laughs> five minutes ago when we started this conversation. <laughs> so it got a one-point swing. Great. So let's, um, let's shift gears back to the comic world. Uh, Jeff Johns, DC Comics uh, Chief Creative Officer, announced last week that it is definite DC's movies and television series will be in separate universes. Unlike Marvel, which is tying everything together. Do you guys think that's a good idea? I think it's fine. They probably don't want to carry over some of the characters and themes from Arrow or the upcoming Gotham TV show. I think they want to build their own universe and they don't want to have any of the directors tied into or have a mandate to tie things together from the, uh, the the small screen with their big, you know, blockbuster films that they're going to be presenting over the next couple years. So I don't think that that's a problem. I'm fine be- having them be separate. It doesn't upset me at all. Donna? Um, considering the fact that both, they're still trying to create both universes, uni- Univod, you know, <laughs> um, since they're both trying to create this whole new universe... I say, why not merge them together? It's not like you had this already existing universe and then you're trying to find some way to tap the TV market into the movie or vice versa. If both of them are struggling, why not use that to your advantage? Because as of right now, just the idea of what Marvel's doing, just the idea of this Netflix series, doing this, having to deal with S.H.I.E.L.D., going to be ground level, working towards uh, a Defenders, and all of it being in the same mode. I why I'm okay with I I like that with DC and Marvel Marvel having Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch and Fox having Quicksilver Scarlet Witch makes sense two different entities two different universes with DC do you expect me to believe that DC Entertainment is behind this version of Arrow and Flash and should they show up in a Justice League movie that this is the same Flash from this universe when you have the rights to both characters. The the same character, essentially, but in two different... Uni- just keep it... Just tie it all together. If you don't want to admit the fact that he's from... That Green Arrow in the Justice League is from Star City or Green Arrow in the TV show is from Starling City, it, then just don't... You don't need to mention that because he already has an origin story that's on TV. For the sake of driving Paul insane, I hope that the cinematic version of Green Arrow is from Starling City. I won't be able to handle that. Don't fuck it up in two places. <laughs> I get Green Arrow, like, if, they, if they are completely different universes, I want a complete Green Arrow origin story. Well, You're going to have to tell I that because think... if it's different universes... I don't think you're going to see Green Arrow. Unless they merged... Unless it was one big universe. I don't think you're going to see Green Arrow in the movies. But you think that we're going to see The Flash, though, and they already came out and said that they... They already announced that we're going to see The Flash. They they said, didn't they say, we have our Flash 
already, right? Didn't it's not. That? Yeah, but it's not. Um, it's it's not, not Grant Gustin. It's, it's not, not the it's CW's not the, Flash. Yeah. So, but uh, you know, I don't think Green Arrow is a big enough hero to rank on the movie slate. Um, part of you know being the big DC guy that I am, personally, I would love to see them blended because I love what they've done with Arrow. I like Stephen Amell is my physical Arrow at this point. Um, the old Robin Hood, you know, goatee and mustache, you know, Green Arrow that Brad Meltzer and Kevin Smith wrote. They've been gone, that character's been gone for so long now. And they really rebooted with Arrow in a, a, in a better way than the new 52 did. So I would love, just, you know, personally, because I'm a fan, I would love to see Stephen Amell standing side by side with Ben Affleck and Henry Cavill and probably The Rock what at el- some point. What else do you think they really have in mind long term? That they need to have this sort of separation. If you, like, you, like you said, if Green Arrow is not big enough, do you think he's going to impact the Justice League? Why make his universe separate? Maybe. As of right now, the only person who's crossing over and affected is the Flash. Maybe they're just trying to give the filmmakers flexibility so that they don't feel tied in. Yeah, I think I think this is a purely creative decision. Uh, you know, comic artists and writers for forever are always talking about how you know they don't. They don't like continuity. They don't want to be tied into continuity because they have stories they want to tell without without being tied down, you know, to any specific. Well, this has to match this. This has has to match this. This way, if you're rolling out the movies on one hand, the CW shows on another hand, Gotham off by itself. I mean, you can really tell. You can really get more creative. And tell a lot of different stories, and like a lot of the Marvel's "What If" stories or DC's Elseworlds comics, there's some really good stuff in there because they're not hampered by sticking to continuity. So I think the decision to split them is, you know, purely to say that it's just because DC and Warner Brothers now can go to different creators and say, "Hey, do you want to do this?" You know, unlike Marvel. You're not going to have to tie into everything we've already done, plus Shield, plus the Netflix stuff. You know, if you have a good idea, you know, if Guillermo del Toro, you want to do your own Justice League Dark, go nuts. So, like creatively, I think it's a, a great idea, and we could see some really cool stuff that isn't going to be hampered by the larger Warner Brothers machine. Yeah, I mean, it takes that one hurdle out of the way for the filmmaking unfortunately for DC and Warner Brothers they put so many hurdles in their own way that taking one of them out of the way isn't really doing anything you still have this major fortress in front of you before you get to actually having a film franchise that works yeah and you know the film franchise is one thing and all the TV shows it's something totally different because that's something that DC's done with a lot of success even if you know Outside the animated stuff, you know, small program for ten seasons. That's a success. Yep. Yeah. I watched it the entire run. Some seasons were worse than others, but it still made it ten years and went out on its own terms. You know, CW didn't say, "Hey, let's wrap it up." You know, the Smallville team said, "All right, we're wrapping it up now." So, you know, I, I think it's a good move for DC. I, I would love to see Stephen Amell. Stand with the other guys. I want to see that crossover. 
just being a comic fan and, you know, seeing all your characters interact in one universe. I would love to see that, but, uh, you know, practically and, you know, having all these different arms of the business, all these different creators, you know, they even asked um, one of the producers from Gotham if maybe you're going to see some CW crossover with those shows. And he didn't say no, but he said that, you know, Sticking with one network, going from from Arrow to The Flash, is a lot easier than going from CW to NBC, or to Fox. Yeah. So, I don't think that's going to happen, but, you know, it's part of the world, it's part of the greater comic book world, and people expect it, and even the creators, you know, they're, they're cognizant of it. You never know when you could get an Easter egg here or there, a mention here or there. So I wouldn't put it past them to have, maybe have something like that. But you know, um, so maybe we could look forward to that in the future. Is there anything you'd like to add, Matt? Uh, well, I'm not exactly in favor of combining the universes just because they've done it with. Sorry, also, it, just, it just in your world the TV universe doesn't even exist. <laughs> so all there is is the TV shmeevy. <laughs> I don't see what the difference is. There's only one universe anyway. Uh, well, that, yeah, that is kind of true. I mean, um, they did it with Marvel, and I couldn't possibly be less interested in uh, Shield. But what's your interest in the Netflix stuff? Um, a little bit more. Yeah, I mean, but I need to see something. Just in theory, right. I'm interested. But but if personally, I, you're not a TV guy. Netflix, even though it's a completely different entity at this point, yeah, it's still TV-like in that there are hour-long episodes. Yeah, that it's so different. Does that make you feel better about the product? Well, I can't really say at this point because we haven't seen anything. Have you seen any Netflix-based series like? Orange is the New Black, House of Cards. No. No. But I don't think that's relevant. I'm, I'm just saying what I want to compare is the quality of these Marvel Netflix shows to the Marvel film properties. Um, but getting back to DC, I think that it kind of makes sense since DC, Warner Brothers, owns everything. And it, it kind of feels like a no-brainer to kind of blend it all into one cohesive universe. However, I just don't feel like the quality from show to movie is going to be cohesive. So it's still going to be jarring because I, they've proven that with S.H.I.E.L.D. Like, compare the quality of the Avengers to what you get in S.H.I.E.L.D. Kind of jarring. And it's hard to, like, blend it into this singular thing. Um, from what, from the limited exposure that I've had to um, the Arrow show and uh, what I've seen of Smallville and what I've, you know, the preview for Flash, I would not want that stuff wrapped up into what I feel is so far a good start for the DC Cinematic Universe. Um, you know, I think Man of Steel was fantastic, and, you know, I know that it's not part of it, but the quality of the Dark Knight movies were right up there, too, and I kind of expect the Batman v Superman to be pretty damn good, too. So, um, I think logistically, it, it probably is best to stay separated, just because they're, they're, the bottom line is they're too different, they're too separate, 
they don't flow together as one cohesive thing. Yeah, and you know, Marvel, you know, Shield and the Marvel movies are the example because right. that's the only thing doing it right now. Right. But and there's there's always gonna you're always gonna make a concession from TV sure. to movies. And it's not like ABC is trying to pull off a minor version of the Captain America movie. They take the most boring characters from <laughs> the character from the Avengers movie and make him the central figure in a TV drama. Yeah, but like I think there's a I think there's a different step from Shield to a full fledged theatrical release than there is from Arrow to a theatrical release. Like I think Arrow is a lot more polished and a lot easier to roll over into Man of Steel than a lot of the stuff I've seen on Shield into the Marvel movies. I think Arrow just knows its limitations way better than Shield does. Um, Shield thinks that it can pull off the kind of high flying special effects that are called for in Captain America 2. Whereas Arrow makes sure to keep itself all ground level. Yeah, and, and the way Arrow's ground level and Arrow doesn't reach beyond its boundaries to the way it's desaturated. It's not very colorful. It's dark and it's gritty. It kind of looks like Man of Steel. But so does Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. in the Marvel movies. They're bright and vibrant. They are bright and vibrant. But Marvel S.H.I.E.L.D. His shield extends the bounds. Shield's like, yeah, I agree. Whatever Winter Soldier does, yeah, we can do that. We can totally do that. And then you watch, and you're like, oh my god, I'm totally embarrassed for everyone involved in this production. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think the tone is the same um, in Shield and all the Marvel movies, but they just think that they're a movie. They think that they're even a good uh, television production studio when they're the worst. <laughs> They were the worst, and that goes beyond Shield to that's an ABC thing. Yeah, to something like Once Upon a Time, which is all the ca- all the castle scenes are laughable. They're terrible. They're Everything terrible. on ABC is really They're bad. awful. It's almost like when when one of the characters is walking on one of those giant CG sets, like you can see their feet sliding on the supposed ground. If we're gonna have a network pull off something like that. I mean, the only ones that have a chance, NBC maybe, CBS maybe, but ABC has no shot. You know what, ABC? Stick to Castle. That's that's where your your bread's getting buttered at. Stick to Castle. Or take a lesson from the CW or NBC, who seem to know their bounds with mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Yeah. I can't even really say that about NBC, because I'll go back to Grimm. Grimm sucks. And the effects on Grimm are terrible. Well, we're going to... Why are you talking like that? Because, because they're because awful. Have you seen Grimm? Grimm no. Really Would it make bad. me speak weird? Yeah. It will. Like, It'll haunt your terrible. voice. Terrible. It'll be interesting terrible. to see what they do with Constant- Constantine. <laughs> <laughs> I hope they do. I hope it doesn't... I, I you hope, hope it doesn't don't. suck. And I haven't, seen, I haven't seen Grimm since, like, maybe the first half of the first season. So maybe they got some shit together. No, they didn't. I've seen it recently. It stinks. It's bad. I don't know what they're doing over there. I don't know who these people are that are interested in it. I don't know either. My mom loves it. Like, what are you doing watching Grimm? That's their demographic. Moms are their demographic. Ugh. Mrs. McGinty. 
What are we? Know. What are we gonna do with you? I don't know. She's, Does she listen to this show? She's a constant source of disappointment. No. No. She will never listen to this show. Does That's she nice. read the strips? Has she seen the movie The Purge? No. Coincidentally, none. neither have any of us. But, but we have strong opinions. We sure when do. When it comes to The Purge. So I think we'd like to um, kind of wrap up the, the show tonight by debating The Purge. So let's, let's set the table. Set the table, Paul. The Purge... Movie number one came out a couple years ago. Came and out last year. Maybe been last year. Last year. Maybe even been last year. I remember you and I saw Evil Dead together, and we saw a preview for it. And we were like, so we talked That's about kinda it. It's kind of cool looking, but we were we were there was one sticking point that we both yeah. agreed on. And we talked purge. about it on this podcast. We talked about the trailer for the and purge. the sequel, The Purge: Anarchy, comes out this weekend. Oh my god! I think, um, and. You know, the first Purge is a home invasion movie. You know, some group of murderers targets one house. They're coming after the house. But the caveat is the people in the house can't get any help because for one night a year in the United States of America, you're allowed to In present day. Present day. That's where you guys are fucking up. Wait, wait, wait. You're I researched you're it. So already, you, you're incorrect, but continue. All right, it's not present day. It's some weird dystopian future where they allow murder and anarchy for one day a year, and that's supposed to quell everyone's murderous urges so that the rest of the year, we live in a utopian society, but one night a year... You get to fucking kill people, and it's okay. And the United States government allows it. Is it like a national holiday, or can I go to work that day? Because that'll so long as you're in the house by midnight. It's by by sundown. You don't have to be. You don't have to be in your house or anything like that. Like nine to nine, out murdering people. That's part of the purge. Because if I have to go to work that day, that may yeah, or may is not it, help. Is it all my murder? Because, like we've said, we've never seen either. We haven't seen either of these movies. No. Is it all day? It is a twelve-hour twelve period. Period. So midnight to noon, nine to nine. I like nine to nine. Let's go nine to nine. Let's, Let's go, go nine to nine because it's You're, clearly the night. That's Eastern Standard Time. Eastern Standard. Time. Well, I mean, like if it's so a rolling six in the West a, Coast. No, I'd say it's a rolling kind of thing. It's not like right. in the middle of the afternoon on the West but Coast. But do you do you know that or are you speculating? I'm speculating. Now, can you jump a time zone early and start and start your rampage an hour early, then jump over and get an extra hour? Like, say if you live like in Cincinnati and then you I, like, can I, let me just let me come in here a little bit. Um, I like how when when Dom explains his quote rampage, he he with his hands wearing he signaled, a Batman mask. Wearing a Batman mask, he signaled a stabbing motion for his rampage. Like that's how he would kill people. He would stab them to death. Like no guns. I'm not gonna run you over with my car. I'm gonna. This stab is exactly you. why the purge needs to happen, and it will happen eventually in the future because people have stabbing on their mind already. Dom has it all figured out. So whenever it rolls out and everybody, oh, the purge is coming. Dom's rampage. Dom is his dick because that was a jerk-off motion. I'm free That wasn't stabbing anything. 
Stabbing myself. I think it was stabbing. Stabbing the pistol. It was going soul. down. It wasn't going up. Here's so the, I think that the fact that the you guys are... was more shoulder height as opposed to waist height. So <laughs> it, it's probably more of a stabbing. It was a little more in between the two. So <laughs> who knows? So first of all, I'm not going to act like I knew any better when we were arguing this the other two times. But I did go and look just to see what the hell we were arguing about. This is supposed to happen in the future. It's supposed to happen in the year 2022 as well as 2023. So, you know, a few years down the line from now. In eight whole not, years, everything is going to be different. Now, I in mean, 2022, it, it was is, it the third annual purging? Because I don't know when I, I don't started. know. Wikipedia did not, didn't really tell me. But it's sort of naive to sit here and say... Oh, well, things can't change that much in eight years and ten years. Things do change that much in that time period. They just do. So put two catastrophes in there, as well as corrupt government. How, because who's, who's different who's making are things in 2014 versus what they were in uh, 2007? We, 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 now have, we now have drone strikes killing American citizens that weren't happening back then. We also have... The uh, NSA and the Patriot Act tapping into everybody's emails and recording everybody's telephone calls. That didn't happen. That's one step going toward... The Patriot Act happened right after 9-11 in 2001. I'm I'm off by a few years, but but right in there... We also have just... That happening happening has led to the... What drone strikes do you speak of? Drone strikes overseas... Overseas. killing, Killing Americans overseas... We're Americans killing Americans have, overseas? Killing Americans overseas. Which ones? Have, I don't know. Ones. I, I don't know. The ones that have done things that the President of the United States has he didn't like. signed off on. And it's, I mean, it is documented information. In 2022, the United States, which is governed by the new founding fathers of America, right. have enacted the purge for a 12-hour period where anyone can get killed except the government officials ranking do, 10 or higher. Do we think that it is so <laughs> out of the ordinary that people in high-ranking um, positions of government, as well as extremely wealthy people that already run the current system, would be in a more powerful position in eight years from now? Is that... So crazy. No, but this whole concept is that crazy. It's insane. You the American it. people, no matter who's the in power... The American people don't really have stand. any fucking vote on that. They have no, no power they, in this. But they do. But if, they don't. If, they do. If government came out and said, all right, 12 hours, one day a year, you can do whatever you want, The that's, when, that's what would make America stand up the, and riot and say no. Not Fuck the government, we're not doing it. Say there are a few... Because all the fucking shit that we're not saying there are for now doesn't... Extreme doesn't attacks on, on American way of life. On the American way of life that happened... Like that put what? people... Like, I don't fucking Nothing know. Nothing happens, though. It's... Like, like 9-11. Say there are... Unef- unemployment there are, and homelessness rise that in this could, time. That's it. It could and be that... Thought, right. Let's start killing innocent people. And, and regular Americans are like, okay, that's a good idea. Maybe something like what is currently happening in Detroit, where the entire city is completely vacant. People are burning the entire city down. There are no jobs. It's a hopeless situation. And then something is... But it is. But it is. 
The Red what Wings is- have a gigantic arena looking at it from a sports from the prospect and of, of sports and the vantage point of sports is ridiculous. The people in Detroit are destitute, and they're in a fucking war zone, and that could possibly happen to the entirety of America, and if something was put in place that made something change, or, or, or more appropriately, if these leaders got in power and made things improve and then said, oh, well, this is going to be another point that's going to help our lives and, and going to purge the system, people would be behind that if everybody lived in Detroit. If it felt like that, if it was that dystopian future, people would get behind that to get their lives back on track. Even people in Detroit right now would do that. Be like, well, all right, let's just let's just allow murder because those are the people that are going to be murdered. No one's going to be like, yeah, I'm going to suspend emergency services for 12 hours and allow myself to be susceptible. Everyone's going to stand up at that point because the bulk of America so is who are going to be the victims of that. No, the bulk of America is going to profit from that. They're going to sit there and they're going to rid the, themselves of the people that are leeching the system. It's all they, because that's how it would be presented. These homeless people and these poor people and the, the lower class, we're going to have to get rid of yeah. them. We're going to have to purge the system of these people so that you can have a better life. Right, let's do it on this day. That's how it would be do you presented. Know who's saying that? One percent. The other ninety-nine percent are gonna be like, I'm not getting killed. We're not fucking doing that. And that will be the it last would... straw to have the people finally rise up against the United States government that... and topple that fucking We bill. can't even sign That's pe- never gonna happen. Oh, we can't even sign fucking petitions in this country, much less rise up because, against the government. No one, because but if we were fed a message that the zoned out public sat there like, oh yeah, these people are making our lives worse and they're already on the ground. Let's kick them a little bit more. Because you're people the people, would do that you're shit. You're the people getting kicked. It's that, that... So then you go down the line and you that kick, elite you one kick pers- more... It's that elite 1%. Because no one is going to allow that to happen. Because right now... So you're going to fight back right against now, the people that are powerful and controlling all the information that are probably changing that information to make you think that it's not them that's affecting your situation, it's the poor people. Well, you're not allowed to kill them because they're level 10 because, yeah, elected they're officials. Safe. So they're it's, safe. Exactly. Right. Yeah, but yeah, 99% of the country is going to be allowed to be murdered and killed and raped and do whatever they and, want. And that's and whenever that's you turn 99 and you split the 99 into a smaller percentage of the middle class against... But that's not what happens. In the, we in don't this, know because we never watched the movie. It's in this universe. <laughs> ranking 10 or higher. That's fucking tiny. That's true. And that's who controls the message to change people's minds and to right, attack the people that are on a lower rung than them. And right now, it's like, all right, well, we're going to cut your salary. Okay, I'll deal with it. You know, we're going to cut your health insurance. Okay, I'll deal with it. All right, some psycho is going to come in and fucking rape your wife and your daughter and make you watch and then kill you afterwards. That's when people are going to be like, whoa, 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 hold up a second. Wait, I was okay with the with the salary and the health insurance, but i got to take a stand at rape and murder. I'm sure that there are a lot of other events that happen in that eight-year span other than just, we're going to cut your salary, and then we're going to rape your wife. I'm assuming that there are going to be more things that go into the psyche of America to make them be okay with this. I what would imagine, happen? Yeah, yeah. Someone would tell make me, you okay someone with Someone tell that me what would scenario. happen that would make 
the the majority of the population be okay with anyone? Like I said, killed? if you put in an eight year span, if you put two kind chicken of terror attacks, yeah, that too. What about if you put nuggets? two twice a week at work, <laughs> I love two, two internal. There you go enough to kill someone. <laughs> Boom! There's the movie. <laughs> If you put two, if you put two attacks. internal inter- terrorist attacks that are labeled on a specific group of people, maybe it's some crazy homeless people, or maybe it's an uprising of disenfranchised people, and you put that on them, they would have- people would be fucking pissed. People are illogical, and they're not looking for all the right answers to things. And people are sheep. There and they are, would go along with that. But there are enough logical people in the country to not allow but things to but you're giving, bad. But you're not giving credit to the illogical people that would love to go along I, with the purge. I think in order to make something like that successful, they would have to implement first off, like, okay, if you want to make this a better society, we're purging pedophiles... People who harm animals. You have to make it. That some, sounds like a great you first have to, step. You have and then to, you yes. take it along and then with that. Take it people along. would be into that because they're fucking crazy. You get rid of the pedophiles first, and the people who like harm animals. Be like, you know what? If we get rid of those people, we'll be better off. You're not Let's getting start. rid of anybody. You're giving those terrifying people free reign for twelve hours. It's whatever anybody but wants to say do with that. Also if you put an underlying message, if you talk to this group of the religious right, and you tell them, wow, these fucking heathens, they're part of this problem too. If you put an underlying message in there, people are going to do that shit. They're going to find their own reason to be the monsters on the purge that your government, that the new fathers of America, or whatever they are, want them to be. The, fact, quiet over the fact that you guys think that this premise is crazy is dumb because it's a fiction. It's a fucking movie, and that's a dumb argument right there. It's a movie. You got the ninety nine percent of people who aren't pedophiles taking out the one percent that are. So as long as you keep in that sort of mentality, eventually it'll balance out, and then the the one percent will overtake. And make this sort of craziness environment. But that's not what and that's going to be the rare occasion that that's going to be the fun part of this movie. Matt, give us something. I think that this premise is meant to be grounded in uh, reality uh, and the established rules that uh, exist within our world. You know, this isn't Tolkien's Middle Earth we're talking about. This isn't, you know, fantasy. This is supposed to this feel... Is LA. This is yeah, This is <laughs> L.A. But there is a new world order that has taken over, so... A new right world order. Isn't that something? A new you world... You guys are really, like, strict with... People wouldn't go along with this. I think people would go along with this. Well, then you are stupid. <laughs> I guess so. But then also, it is a movie as well. No, I think you guys are just naive fucking idiots that think that everything is rainbows and unicorns and that there aren't darker things that happen. Nothing is this bad. It doesn't go from where we are now to that bad instantly. You're looking past any steps that could factor into the American psyche. It would be and that is martial law before something like this would Maybe that happen. happened. We don't know. Maybe, but this would Maybe never that happen. happen. We don't know. Yeah. We don't need, none of us watch the movie. Here's none of us know that. Here's what happened. None of us know. Here's what happened. James DeMarco is a terrible, lazy screenwriter and wanted to write a movie about home invasion, but couldn't find a way to do it 
while there's still police and ambulances and good Samaritans. So he made up the purge so that he could have free reign and have this suburban house totally shut off from everything else. I think that... That's a contrived idea that that turned into two stupid movies. I think that the original home invasion aspect with that outside is dumb, but I think that the sequel and the idea of The Purge is an interesting one warranting a movie. Then Then don't say anything. Then treat it like The Hunger Games. Treat it like Divergent. Where why, why is it such a problem that a government-issued thing like this is so crazy? Because, in a dystopian fucking future. It's, it's why is that? It's that's absurd. dumb. And it's clearly, it's clearly a writer's cheat. It isn't absurd. It's, it's, it's absurd it's, and it's a writer's it cheat. It's no, it Superman's isn't. Superman's nanotech costume. It's a writer's cheat to get around having to deal with certain problems in your script. It really that's isn't. That's all it is. It's a world, and this is something that's happening in that world. Yeah, so, so, so treat it like Hunger Games or Divergent, where you don't say, this is this is future America. You just say, this is the So we're having a problem with the fact that it's America. Is that the I'm problem? Saying, the I'm fact that it's America? That doesn't it's, make any it's fucking future sense. Earth. It's future anything. So yeah, it is future Earth. They say it's fucking future Earth. Right, it's future our Earth. This would never happen on our Earth. Take it to fucking Korrigar or, or Tamaran or something, and you're going to be like, like, okay, yeah, we would, that's and, fine. And we would never, never round up people here. and put them in ovens or anything like that. Dark shit happens, and by saying that it doesn't happen what, is naive as fuck. And what happened to Germany? The rest of the world came down After on a long-ass time. After years and years and years. After they took over the entire continent of Europe, and only Britain was fucking left. That's what happened. That's the, the entire fucking continent. The modern-day... American populace would never stand for legal murder. They're even lazier than the old populace of America. Than the greatest generation. No way. way. They are lazier. They would let that happen. With today's abilities to communicate and get uh, news out there and and various forms of the truth, I think it's harder to, to kind of use propaganda, which is... Kind of seems like what this movie's all about. That shit doesn't work anymore. It doesn't work in today's world. It works world. on a lot of people. A lot of people watch all the television shows that yeah, are run but, by the government the that give you all the, the bullshit. Main populace the main knows populace better. doesn't even watch the news. They don't even know what the fuck's going on. There are just as many there are, the, people the malaise, as the, the laziness and malaise there of America is, so is even greater more, now than it was then. There's so many more... Yeah, it is, which is fine because that was all one voice that people were following and listening to. Now there's multiple voices and different things to be heard, different uh, angles and truths. And you would never brainwash an entire society of people to go along with it. Where do you you get the truth? Do you get it on the internet? Is that where you get it? You don't get the truth anywhere, but you get like a billion different like versions of it then people determine what their own truth is. Let's say you get it on the internet. Let's say the government takes away the ability for some sites to run equally as fast as other sanctioned sites. Let's just say... You mean like North Korea? Let's say what they're doing now. What they're going to try to do in America now. And that is one step... Are they going to be taking StreamMate away? They might be. I'll be pissed, man. But that's one step. 
You take away the information that people freely receive. So they're going to take, take away, away CNN.com, Fox News. Well, those are run. Those are friends of the government. That's so why fine. would they? Well, 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 how are they friends of the government? Because they the access that they receive is government sponsored, and if they ever report on any of the gov- uh, what the government is doing, well, government sponsored. These are they, these they, are government run. This isn't like no, 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 no. They, they no, they receive. The, their sources and access That's are providing on. are and and it gets taken away whenever they report badly this on is, the government. This is the bottom line. It doesn't. It fucking does. This it is, totally does. This is the bottom line of this particular argument. No matter who's broadcasting what, what information you're getting, the bottom line of the broadcast is: Hey, for twelve hours, people are going to be allowed to rape and murder you, and that's. That's what everyone is going to hear, and, if you, and that's what everyone is going to rise up against. If you chipped away at that kind of if the the knowledge and the way that you feel and the individualism that you have by being able to get that knowledge by yourself and not have it funneled in by the fathers of the new world or whatever the fuck, if they're giving you this message that these people are bad and you, we need to get rid of these people, oh, and these people are kind of bad too. Oh, yeah. Oh, well, you know what? You, you know a pedophile. You can go kill him. But while you're out there trying to get him, you can be raped and murdered too. I think most people are going to be like, maybe I'm just going to stay inside and not, not to go mention, get that guy. Most of us because it's a bad idea. As much as, no we all, raped and murdered. as much as we all hate child molesters... I don't really want to be the one to go and cave one's head in with a hammer myself. Like, it'd be yeah, nice yeah, if but that happened to him. But have you guys ever read YouTube that's comments? That's why you made the stabbing Those motion. people are nuts in there. They say some fucking crazy stuff. Now, put those people out on the streets. You got a handful. No. <laughs> so, the Purge franchise is a seriously flawed franchise. Which has a good idea. They want to do some good stuff, but they don't know what to do with it. Also, we haven't seen either of these movies. Anyway. We just had a 20-minute <laughs> passionate debate about movies that we... I'll never see this movie now. James Monica. Because I don't give a shit about it. James Monica went in and said this home, real-life home invasion and cinema home invasion are two completely different universes, and in this universe, it's legal. Written by James DeMarco, both both uh, movies. Well, honestly, if anybody's ever watched either one of these movies, send us your feedback, because we'd like to know what it's really about. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I made up all that I have no problem with the home invasion movie. You know, I think for the most part, the Strangers was done well, and there's ways to do that well. But the, the Strangers was way more scary because you could see the through line of them cutting off different points of access to those things that they had. You know, you can't call anybody. The police aren't well, the setting right. they were right. in because that place. Because, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Because the writer of the Strangers went through the steps, went through the homework to really cut this couple off. Yeah. Whereas this guy was like, meh, I don't feel like it. We're just going to write the purge into this thing. <laughs> Fucking lazy. Lazy as shit. This guy was like, yeah, Superman's nanotech armor is a great idea. Is he the same writer as Superman? Yeah. yeah. James, DeMon- James DeMonico. 
Suck my ding dong. Well, you know what? If, now that I know that James DeMonico did the Purge and Man of, and Man of Steel, <laughs> it makes no, perfect sense a, on he, why there was so much destruction in Metropolis. Yeah, holy shit. I, do I not want to watch <laughs> the Purge? Super, now? James DeMonico did not write Man of Steel. <laughs> Did did the did the Superman Zod fight happen on Purge Day? <laughs> Is that no, what that wasn't a big deal? <laughs> exactly. That's gonna do it for episode sixty-six of the McSauce Comic Book. Oh, Batman sixty-six. Oh, Batman! There he is, folks. My name is Paul McGinty. He is Sharply. Mac is out. And special guest Dominic. <laughs> we'll see you next time. selling out 20 bucks a night for when you can just jerk off to a lunchbox.